0: listening to the official podcast of Grace Sotomayor, Multicolor, Not Colorblind. How does God think about race, color, culture, and language? On December 18, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described Sunday at 11 a.m. as, quote, the most segregated hour in this nation, end quote. Nearly six decades later, our schools are more diverse our transportation systems are more diverse, our workplaces are more diverse, and our stores are more diverse. But on Sunday morning, we continue to segregate. If an outsider were to look at 86% of Christian communities, they would make some reasonable assumptions about what the Christian faith says about race, color, culture, and language. But do these assumptions match what God thinks? Is it truly God's vision that God's church be 20 times more segregated than the nearby schools, or does God have something better in mind? And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs.
1: I was 14 years old. I was in youth group. I grew up in a church. Um, I was in youth group, and for, for maybe two or three weeks in a row, the youth leader has asked talk about racism and I wanted to say to him and when I look back, I remember, I think I actually did say this to him. He was, he was probably, Oh, 20 years, 25, maybe 30 years older than us. And I said to him, maybe this topic was relevant when you were our age years ago in the stone age with black and white TVs. Maybe this was a relevant topic to talk about race. But our nation, I told him, has moved so far beyond this. This is no longer a relevant topic. There's nothing more to say about race. It's not an issue. And looking back, I realized I had no idea. Looking around our world today, conversations about race are indeed relevant. The white nationalist movement is growing in our nation. White nationalist militias are growing in our nation. And it's no longer surprising when we hear on the news of a racially motivated, the best word I have is tragedy, but even that doesn't capture it. Whole groups of people feel unseen, deprived of basic human worth. And Sunday morning is segregated. I'm using that word intentionally. Sunday morning is segregated. On December 18th, 1963, as I used to see it, back in the Stone Age, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. describes Sunday at 11 a.m. as the most segregated hour in this nation. And nearly six decades later, our schools are more diverse. Our transportation systems are more diverse. Our workplaces are more diverse. Our stores are more diverse. But on Sunday morning we continue to segregate. Is this what God has in mind for God's church? If an outsider were to look at 86% of Christian communities, 86% of Christian communities, which are almost entirely of one race and socioeconomic status, they, could make some reasonable assumptions about what the Christian faith says about race and culture and language. But do these assumptions match what God thinks? Is it truly God's vision that God's church be 20 times more segregated than the nearby schools? Is that what God has in mind for us? I don't believe so. I've become convinced that God has something better in mind. You've heard the phrase before, start with the end in mind. And so to understand what God wants for the people of God on earth now, I'd like to start by looking at God's plan for the end. We've read several passages from the book of Revelation. I want to come back to this first one. I saw a vast crowd that John saw. Too great to count They're in heaven from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. And they're standing in front of the throne of the Lamb. This idea of the Lamb. The Lamb is an image that we, we see in Scripture for the way that Jesus triumphs and saves us by his own death as a sacrificial lamb saves. But in front of this lamb, the people who are saved, and then the people who worship this lamb, this one, Jesus, who saves us, is a vast crowd too great to count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. So what's God's plan for eternity? I know this sounds really basic. I thought it was basic when I was 14 years old. It's not basic at all. What's God's plan for eternity? In John's vision, God's plan for eternity is the coming together of people, diverse people who are different from one another in all sorts of different ways and coming together in Jesus When John looks at what eternity is like, what heaven is like, this is what he sees. And in John's vision of eternity, I have a question for you. This might be a hard question. It might be a little painful to think about. Do you think in this vision, John was colorblind? Could he see color or not? Could John tell that these were people from other people groups? And the answer, according to this, is he could see. They're from other nations and other tribes and other people and other languages. John was not colorblind. When he saw this vision. And then was John's vision say about what God is doing on earth now? He says, I saw another angel flying through the sky on earth, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, the people still on earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Carrying the good news to them. Do you see this mirroring of language that John says? First, he's talking about in heaven the people from every tribe, nation, language, people group, and then here on earth, every tribe, nation, language, and people group. It's in heaven and it's on earth. Every nation, every people. Now, if this is what God is doing in heaven and this is what God is doing on earth, then my question is, what are we doing? Because the reality is we don't have to leave our community to meet people of other nations, languages, and people groups. And what is a people group? A people group is people who share it's the same interest in food and music, the rhythms of life, family structure, a shared cultural story, shared history. It might include the color of their skin but has even more to do with their experiences in the world that might be influenced by the way people perceive the color of their skin. We could get really practical for a moment. We could get really practical and talk about where we could go in our communities to meet people with a different culture or a different story or a different experience than our own. We could talk about what we'd say, and more importantly, we could talk about how we would listen. And we could talk about ways of listening that would be respectful and not harmful. But today... I believe God's calling me to speak to the 14-year-old Chris in each one of us who says that the church shouldn't be talking about race because that's what 14-year-old Chris was saying. The church shouldn't be talking about race. This isn't our issue. This issue is not important to our mission. Today, I want to say that we receive our mission from God. And we want to be part of what God is doing. So what's God's end game? What's God's eternal plan for the future? That's why we're looking at this book of Revelation. As the story goes on, we see John's vision of heaven. He calls it a city. He says, it's a city that has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. And that picture of that light The Lamb of God that brings light to the world and the nations walk in the light of the Lamb. And all the nations bring their glory and honor, John says, all the nations bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter the city. Did you catch that? They all bring their glory. Now, this word glory is not a word that that we usually understand. We, We think glory. Oh, they just talk about their greatness. It's even more than that. All nations are bringing in, the word glory is, it's in Greek, it's, the word is doxa. If, if we are in person right now, I'd ask you to repeat it back to me, so I'm going to ask you to say it with me anyway. The word is doxa, and the word doxa means essence. All the nations are bringing in the essence of who they are, the essence of every culture. The essence of every culture, John sees, is carried into the city of heaven and their culture isn't stripped away, and their culture isn't removed. It's popular right now for people to say that they don't see race. They say, I don't see race. I'm colorblind. But in my experience, the only people I've met who've said that colorblind is a good thing are white people. In fact, I've heard people of color say this, that when when a white person says that they're colorblind, it's as if they're saying, diversity in color and culture is a bad thing. So seeing color is a bad thing. It's as if the people saying that they're colorblind are saying, don't worry, I've stopped seeing the things that make you unique. Now I see you as being just like me, white and colorless. And I know that's not the intention of any of the people who I've heard say that they're colorblind. I've heard, I've heard it over and over and over again. And yet the people I know who are, who are black, who are Asian, who are Latino, the way they say it is when, when a white person says that they're colorblind, it means they're not interested in what makes them unique. Heaven is not colorblind. When we look at John's vision in the city of heaven, the essence of every people group is carried in and refined to praise Jesus Christ who saves us. This passage says nothing evil will be allowed to enter the city of heaven. The essence of each culture enters the city, but it's a redeemed essence, redeemed in the light of the Lamb. Every culture, every culture has evil. This passage lifts that up. Every culture has evil, including my own white Midwestern American culture. It has evil. None of that comes into the city of heaven. But the essence, the essence of each culture on the earth is carried in as part of God's eternal purpose. So if the promise of the gospel is that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we get to experience eternal life in full color, praising God with all the diversity of humankind. Then why don't we experience the same thing when Christians gather on earth? Why is Sunday morning, at least among Christians, the most segregated time in America? What holds us back from worshiping and the full diversity that God has created us for? See, I don't have the answer for that question. I feel like I should have the answer to that question. I feel I feel uncertain about my ability to even preach this when I don't have the answer because I'm speaking from the perspective of a white preacher. So how am I supposed to tell you, here's how we can move forward in the diversity that God has called us for? I've heard so many people of grace say, our calling is we want to be a church that looks like the community. We want to look like the community in terms of age makeup and racial makeup and nationality makeup and language makeup. See, I don't know the answer for how do we get there and what does that exactly look like? But I can tell you that I know our next step. We have to start by building relationships with people of various backgrounds, with diverse people. And we aren't doing this on our own. We aren't doing this on our own of building these relationships, these heaven-like relationships, where there's mutual respect and love, and listening, and celebrating what meet, makes each person and culture unique by saying, I would love if you could teach me. We aren't doing this alone. Listen to this word from the very end of John's, revela- John's vision in Revelation. Then the angel showed John a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So I know that there's racial divisions. I know that we have a long way to go. But Jesus isn't the business of healing the nations. Healing these racial di- divides. The, the final promise in the book of Revelation is this. The last chapter chapter starts this way of saying, God is producing the thing to heal the nations. And we can talk all day about what this metaphor of the tree of life represents. And of course, it goes back to the Garden of Eden with the tree of life there. Genesis chapter 2. But for us today, what we need to know is that when we go, when we go into our community, and even in this next season, for these next seven months, before the pandemic is fully over, as we go into the community, because we do shopping, and we go do our, our, uh, our grocery pickup, and we do our takeout pickup, and we see people from other cultures and races, and maybe they're wearing a different set of clothing or speaking a different language. We can be followers of Jesus and know that, by the Holy Spirit, we're being given everything we need and we can look at people and we look at them and see them and look at them in the eyes and say hi. We can build relationship. We can recognize that there are other people here and we can express that we want to get to know them. As followers of Jesus, we are committed to God's mission. To see the world in full color to love as Jesus loves. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we don't know all of our next steps. We don't know exactly every single detail of what you've called us to do, and yet we do know this part. We know there are people who don't feel seen, who others don't even look at, who are treated as if they don't exist or don't matter. And we know that we are called. We are called to see people the way you see them. To love the way you love. And we are committed to being your hands and feet. Lead us in your way. Lead us in your path and teach us all that we need to know. As we join you and bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Ottumwa. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Ottumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Ottumwa, You can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa.org. Thank you for listening.